Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. I'm James McSorley and as usual I'm joined by a man who is nine years too old to be a Leonardo DiCaprio's girlfriend. Mark Schofield, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good man, thank you. I'm sad to hear I've been struck off that particular list but yeah, I'll... All right. Don't worry about it. We're also joined by a guest. He is uh, the author of a phrase that was the title of a previous podcast. I'll let you figure that one out on your own. <laughs> he has one hand. He plays like he's got three. Um, he is the IWBF number one choice for any all-star five in the two-pointer spot. He is our second and fourth choice guest for this podcast. <laughs> World and European champion, Paralympic medalist, Greg Warburton. Thanks for being here. How are you? Hi, guys. Yeah, no worries. Good afternoon. <laughs> so first up, Greg, we'll we'll get to it because James alluded to alluded to it there, but we've hit a couple of people up about filling us this guest spot, and it seems like everybody who was in Vienna for Champions Cup is like on the brink of death from some illness that was going around. Is this a situation where it's drinking the water in Vienna? Because I feel like every time I've been there for Euro Cup, somebody comes away ill, and I don't know what's going on. Well, I didn't drink it, and I'm not ill, so who knows? <laughs> okay, that, that's official. What yeah. were you drinking all weekend? No, uh, <laughs> just getting the pints in, man. Yeah, um, that's what people happy- used to do. Water wasn't safe, so they drank beer constantly. <laughs> yeah, happy to be here and happy to be second, at least second best, or at least second favorite. So yeah, let's do it. Yeah, what I love about this is a year ago everyone would know that it was COVID, but now no one tests. So we're like, yeah, people are sick, and I don't know why. <laughs> everyone's got COVID again everyone's gone to an IWBF thing and got COVID again it's 100% it just over a year on from the Euros so should we get straight into it because as we'll let the listener behind the curtain like we've done with Greg now because this episode is last minute we don't have much of a game plan in terms of what we're going to talk about so we have invited Greg in to wing it with us for an hour so on that note Greg, we're going to get to the Landil and the Lunion game, which was kind of the highlight of the Euro Cup weekend. Uh, we didn't speak about it in the last podcast deliberately because we knew slash hoped we were going to get somebody in. Uh, that plan became increasingly <laughs> unlikely the deeper in the week we got, but here you are. Um, so leading up to that, you guys have obviously had a little bit of reshuffle roster-wise going into this season where you've had Tom O'Neill Thorne and uh, Luis Castle come in. Do you want to tell us a little bit about kind of your ramp up to this point in the season, I guess? Um, yeah, I guess obviously we've 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 only lost two games so far. It's probably the the best way to start it off. So um compared to my first two years here where we had a few losses against teams that we sort of should be expected to beat. Uh overall it's been good. Um sort of new straight away when them when them two guys came in. Um and we managed to keep hold of pretty much everyone else. That we had a like a, a chance of, of being there or thereabouts come the end of the season. Um obviously we've had now we've had quite a few big games. We've played played some good teams. So we sort of got a we've got a standpoint of where we're at and sort of measure to measure like where we are. Um but yeah I think overall the fact that we've only lost two games to a team that I pretty much consider the best team around at the minute is is not too bad. And we've had some good performances um Apart from them as well, so yeah, pretty pretty happy from where we are, but there's still still a lot of work to be done yet. Yeah, do you think integrating guys like Tom and Hasso is made easier by the fact that one they obviously played together for a while, and two 
Tom has the Aussie connection with Bill and Hassan, who's a couple of the guys, because there's more than a handful of ex-Bilbao players there at this point. Do you think that helps? Yeah, they fit. They fitted in really well from the start. To be fair, like I, when I first arrived here, I wouldn't say I found it super difficult to fit in in terms of the group, but I definitely found found like it took me a while to sort of adjust and find my feet and get sort of settled in the team, whether it was my role or whatever that be. Um, but yeah, they settled in like super early, and they already came in. You know what they're like, like best friends from the start. They're 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 already super close. Um, and even though I've not really sort of had too much interaction with Tom over the years. I we kind of like had spoke briefly and uh yeah we struck up a bit of a friendship as well. So it's we've got a really good group at the minute where genuinely everyone is is like sort of on the same page and gets on quite well, which can be difficult and a little bit rare at a team like with so many talented players that we have and potential egos, you know, we've we have got a genuinely good group that we, that we all get on. So I know everybody says that, but yeah. <laughs> Can you, at this point, can you comment on Hasso's claim that his English is getting better at this stage? Yeah, I heard James say it the other day, yeah, he has told me in Spanish that his English is getting better. <laughs> no, yeah, he is, he's, he is getting, he's getting better. He's getting there. I was going to say, we, we like we like doing this with the non-native like native English speakers or whatever, but when we see these guys who are trying to learn English and they're surrounded by like, Obviously, your accent being from up in the northwest and Terry being far in the northeast, like Hasso must have no chance trying to learn English surrounded by you guys and two Aussies. Yeah, there's plenty to contend with in, in the that we've got. I, I do love the idea of like someone playing with I don't know Americans and a couple of Southerners in like Southern English people and be like, yeah, my English is pretty good. I understand it, and then move into a team with like you guys and Aussies and just being like. This has to be a different language. They have to be joking. <laughs> but, God, yeah. I know because I have that every so often where, because I speak majority Spanish in Bilbao because my Spanish is pretty good. And um, I had, <laughs> I've had a couple of times where I've met one of the, like one of you lads and I've spoken in English and the Spanish guys have been like, what is that? <laughs> like they've heard me speak English and I must tune it up. Like I must turn it down a bit because, but I thought I'd turn my accent down talking to you. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah God. i think um english speak we'll we'll touch on this because we're doing the english speaking thing but um one of the options to do this podcast for us was going to be your coach victor ramos who has taken, first he's heard about it by the way <laughs> um who i think is a listener he occasionally um interacts with us on our instagram and stuff but he's obviously taken over from miguel vaquero who was your coach for your previous few seasons in Illunion. So is having a new coach step in with such an established group, has it been really a tangible difference or do you just, does the machine kind of keep on rolling when you've got so many guys who've been together for a decent amount of time? Um, It has been different. Obviously that's, that was kind of the idea that we, we don't want to do the same thing. We want to bring more talent in and, change a few things it has been similar to my first two years here we hasn't we haven't changed a whole lot but um yeah he's been good so far they obviously he's super inexperienced and really young uh, i think he's maybe the same age as me or a year older maybe but we're pretty close in age um but he's been really good and for his first like coaching job within wheelchair basketball he was around the team a couple of years before that as well so he's sort of seen how he function um and to be fair, the, the things that he's he's brought in and implemented or changed has have been good. To be fair, he's it's the 
the structure of the sessions is good and um yeah and we, he hasn't coached us out of a game yet you know so that, <laughs> that's that's it that's all, all the all the credit any coach will ever get is well they haven't lost us one yet nobody ever talks about like the hours of prep that go into these things it's like no they haven't made one wrong decision yet that's doomed us yeah. we haven't lost a game with me on the bench and therefore it's been the coaches <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um so when you bring a new coach in but you've got this sort of wealth of experience from top to bottom in a team like a have how collaborative is it to like find how you're how you guys play together or is it like still a coach led thing? Yeah, it's still pretty coach led. He's he's been good at like I would say letting us help him in like to a degree, you know, but he's he's got his own ideas and his own plans and he's super dedicated and spends so much time in prepping the, the trainings and everything, like scouting. He does it all himself with a couple of the other staff. Um so yeah, he's it we do have sort of an input. He allows us to, to give our input, but at the end of the day, he sort of makes a final decision on what we're going to do. And um, everyone was, everyone bought in really, really well from the beginning and it's, it's kind of paying off, but um, I'm sure we'll admit he's still got a long way to go and a lot to learn. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's doing good so far. I'm, been, I'm happy with him. And crucially, he listens to us and votes in all our polls. So he's a good yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, We'll touch on this then, seeing as we mentioned the polling thing, but we'll get on to the Landil game. One of the things we put up ahead of EuroCup was what team matchups or individual matchups were people most excited to see. Uh, we got a submission that was someone suggesting they were very excited to see Greg versus Tommy. Uh, I didn't publish the overall um, result of it at the time when we asked people who they took out the two of you but I did send it to you after the game Greg I don't know if I would have done had you lost but <laughs> you definitely <laughs> wouldn't have you didn't send it to him um, Tommy's always been very good to us so we didn't want to you know stir up any friction on that front but what was your take on it Greg when we saw we said Tommy or Greg you know pick your guy essentially Tommy came away with 76% of the vote to 24% from you as a you know, you're a, a fiery dude competitive-wise. Did that stir anything up or would that have stirred anything up if we'd shown it to you pre-game or is that just kind of the nature of us doing crap on social media? <laughs> no, it's interesting. And I think it's not, yeah, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have paid too much attention to it to be fair. Or, um, and it was probably a fair shout, you know, if there's any, if between us, if you're looking at someone to go off for 30 in a big game like that, you would, I think I would have backed against him as well, you know, so... <laughs> I wasn't. It's not really what I do, you know. If that's the way people are sort of judging the, the like head to head, but I'm, I don't know, I never really, never really see the game like that. I don't know. I know a lot, quite a lot of people do, but I don't look and think like I need to like, score this guy or I need to like, like come off after him. But like, oh, like I won that, I won that battle. Yeah, yeah. Like if we win, then that sort of does the talking. That, that let, let that do the talking, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but yeah, he's a great player. Like, it would, would be good to play with him one day. Actually, it would be it would be fun. Um, not sure if there'd be enough balls, but I was just gonna say because <laughs> he has the greenest of lights. So yes, yeah. I feel like if you if we're talking green lights, I feel like if you've survived alongside Terry for the last handful of years, <laughs> you, you can probably make it work. They almost exclusively split them in this game, which was interesting. <laughs> no, they didn't. But uh, um, but it was nice. It was nice, to be fair, to see that vote at the end after we'd won. That's, yeah. that was good. There you go. I well done, yeah, Greg, son. Don't worry. <laughs> I thought you would appreciate it. It was like, obviously, 
is obviously like you say it doesn't mean a great deal but i think it's interesting to get like people's if for no other reason it's interesting to get people's take on it because i think it kind of shows how much more goes into the game because yeah. even if you know you know we were to put yours and tommy's stats side by side um you know nobody can be like oh well of course you know greg you know, I'd take Tommy individually, but Greg's going to win this game because Illunion have got more talent. Like that's not even an argument because Landil are in no way short of talent. So, yeah, I think it's just a, it's kind of a really clear indication of how not one on one the game gets yeah. at a high yeah. level. I think the like that sort of subtext is cool. To it's like good from the outside and it sort of builds up the game a little bit and hypes it up, um, but. And we're so different as well, you know, like we had, we're so different. Like obviously being a three and me being a two is, we are so different. And even though we have so, just sort of some similarities between our games, we're still so different. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was good fun to go, go up against him. It always is. Sure. Yeah, man. So the greenest we're... of lights. Sorry. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the name of the podcast. Um, <laughs> we'll do this a little bit just before we get into the game specifically, but what was your guys' kind of thoughts on you obviously went to Austria. Um you're in a pretty strong group overall. Um obviously you and Landil were very much the headliners of it, but you had relatively competitive games with both Sam Stefano and Mo to some extent. So what are you guys kind of feeling like you gained from the tournament environment and you know playing a, a handful of decent competitive games in in a short stretch? Do you feel like that's benefited you guys? Yeah, I think like you said, we we went into it knowing it was going to be a tough group. Um, and I listened to you guys talking about Santa Stefano maybe giving a team an upset, and we were like, we took them very seriously now. And and Mo were no like no idiots as well, you know. They're no pushovers. They've got some. They've got some really good international players. Um, so we knew it was going to be tough. I think probably overall the the three teams that we had that finished top three ourselves, Landil and Santa Stefano. Um, I think Santa Stefano would probably feel a bit hard done by that. They they ended up in our group and they're not going through to Champions Cup because they pushed they pushed us for like most of the game and the fifth I think we won by fifteen in the end and that was a little bit like it was wasn't a comfortable fifteen you know they made us work for it and it was a a battle it was a tough game um, and against Landil as well similarly lost by twenty or, or so in the end but it was like they knew they were in a game you know um, I think what what we learned I think. It's like it's good, like it's good to win, you know. Like it doesn't, it's not. I'm not going to say it's like not important, but it kind of, it kind of doesn't mean anything really. Do you know what I mean? In the grand scheme of things, like okay, winning does breed confidence, and we were obviously we wanted to win, as did they. Um, and it's been good for us to sort of get a couple of really big, big games over the line. I think and like prove that we can with the team we've got. Obviously, with it being our first year, really with this group. That we can get through them big games. We had a couple of other ones as well. The uh, the Super Cup against Bilbao against James and uh, Bilbao at their place as well. Because obviously we've played out. Apart from that, we've played Albacete twice and lost both times. One of them was like a pretty a pretty convincing hammering. So it was good that we could sort of get a bit more confidence from that. And um, yeah, I'm just like they would have learned as well. I'm sure. People, most people will be imagining we'll we'll meet again at some point, maybe in the final four, hopefully. Um, but yeah, like I say, it, it kind of means nothing really. We've still got such a long way to go to even get to the final four, you know. And we've again we're in another tough group that we've got to get past two very good teams just to get there. So yeah, we have learned learned some things from it, but um, we're not we're not too high from it, you know what I mean? 
I love that. Two very good teams and then another mystery third team. <laughs> but yeah, um, my, one random question that I brought up, which is I thought of there, which isn't even anything to do with you guys, but just having played against them, Santa Stefano, if they're in the Gran Canaria group, they definitely make it through top two. Do you think they beat Gran Canaria? Um, It looks like, because I didn't see much from that group to be fair, it looks like Gran Canaria did pretty well, but... um. Potentially, of the matchup, I would probably say yeah, just because they are so big. Although yeah. Grand Canaria pushed us really close um, away at their place earlier in the season, so I think that would be pretty pretty even. But yeah, Santa Stefano were very tough, and they've got I think they'll have a good chance of winning Euro League One if like when they get there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, before we move on to the main event of this Euro League, Greg, we're gonna just dial back in time a little bit because. You guys played Landil um, in the sorry the semi final of Champions Cup last year. Um, it's obviously a pretty short turnaround time between then and now because there wasn't a full Champs Cup run last year and everything. It was just straight to the final eight and whatever. But um, that game is like stylistically very different to what we saw this past weekend. Obviously, you guys have brought Hasso and Tom in. They've had guys ship in and out with, you know, Hero out, um, Gaz and Gunter and Rosen, for example. So it's kind of two very different styles, but you guys were able to get the better of Landil in both of those matchups. Do you think, have you guys got them you know, sussed out or do you know some of the secrets or anything that would help you, you know, if you were to run into them again in the final four, for example, do you think you've kind of got a bit of a formula against the way they play now? Um, I'm not sure there's anything that sort of deep rooted, you know, in terms of us having like a some master plan or especially when you look at the, the team, like you said, the, the difference in the in the lineups and the teams that we have now, even just compared to last year, was, was kind of like a different team or a different game. You know, it's not the two don't really coincide for me. I don't really feel there's too much relevance between both. Um, but yeah, we we game planned well, and I thought we executed quite well. We definitely have a, probably at least another gear. I would say we didn't probably execute and like score at the rate that we that we have been doing or that we that we would imagine. Um, but I'm sure they'll they'll learn a lot from the loss as well, you know. So if we do if we do come up up against each other again, I'm not sure the previous results will have too too big of a bearing on on if we do play again. But um, yeah, like I said before, obviously winning is good and but like getting that belief that you can you can get that one over the line. So um, and who knows, we might not even play each other again, you know. So yeah, I mean, the, bizarrely, the common thread of the two games is that Amadou is like a stealth Landil killer. Yeah. That's just something I would never have called, given like the the style of play or whatever. But he seems to just come alive at the sight of them. I don't know what happens there. You should really try and bottle that. Yeah, that's happened once twice. He was he was great as well. He was really good. I know swore that he was great again against um, Landil this year. This in this one previously. So yeah, he's and he's good, man. He's really good, and he's I think he's thriving a bit more now. We've got another. We've got a giant, and he's sort of not the. Put our main big gun inside. It's giving him a few more, a bit more space inside, and he's finding little pockets rather than being smothered by all the bigs, you know. So um, he's definitely thriving from Hassel's, arri- Hassel's arrival. Yeah, man. So moving on to the actual nuts and bolts of the game. So the Monday before you guys fly, even though you know you've got uh, four games to play in two days, 
do you have an eye on this one in particular or who did you who was your first game was it the the host the Austrian team oh yeah are you are you game planning for them and then looking at the next team or do you guys go in sort of Uh, one eye on Landil the whole time yeah quite we our prep was quite good actually I quite liked it I think our coach Victor put in sort of like maybe two weeks before we started maybe just a little bit more well I think the, the he will argue the scouting and the prep started probably before Christmas but all the iPads of, in terms of delivering it to us um sort of two to three weeks before we sort of started to prep for Landil um as we start we had a couple of tough games in the league as well that we had to focus on I think we had Vidalid and Pot as well I believe um mm. so we started good to sort of play two competitive teams that we could kind of try things out. But most of our trainings were dominated by the Landale game and, and by the Santa Stefano one as well, to be fair. So um, overall, we probably did have an eye on that one. I know I did personally. That was the one I was like, couldn't wait for, apart from it being at nine in the morning. Terrible. <laughs> I'm not sure whose idea that was or how that's happened. But um, yeah, trying to get all the, all the Spanish boys up at 9am was not was not the easiest in the world so um but but yeah yeah no no bother for the brit or the aussie apparently you two guys came out absolutely flying um but yeah kind of, that that is one thing i wanted to bring up at some point like i know the iwbf probably doesn't have a direct hand in schedule on these things but like for the wheelchair basketball world Illunion versus landill is absolute appointment viewing and it was saturday yeah. at 9 a.m like i don't know who needs to have a word with who to make sure that that's like seven on a Saturday, but yeah. yeah I've, I've got a few questions about the whole weekend, really. I'm not really sure how, <laughs> how we ended up in the same group, to be honest, never mind like playing at 9am and like, I don't know, the, the split of the group seemed a little bit strange in the end. I'm not sure if it was random. Like I have no idea really how, how it was drawn or how it worked, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, we weren't, we weren't complaining. We just wanted to get there and give a good account of ourselves and yeah, try and measure up to where we were against two really good teams. Yeah. yeah. No, the groups are the groups were weird, like to the point that um I felt really bad for the Manchester ones, ex Oldham current Manchester Revolution. Um, guys, because they came to our group and give a really good account of themselves, took Galatas right over time, but definitely could have nicked a game off five different teams in yeah. definitely the Grand Canaria group and also yeah. probably one or two of the teams in your group, which is disappointing but it might just be completely random and yeah potentially i don't know how it all works nobody explains it to me and i don't want them to so it's fine (laughs) um yeah i think the like the early start thing is obviously you could be like oh well the game could have gone differently you know it was a low scoring one was it people rubbing sleep out their eyes who knows but um i think it felt to me watching that game greg that I think you guys kind of grasped momentum. Although the first quarter was close, it felt like a very Illunion-paced game early doors. Um, be that you guys kind of getting down in like semi-transition and for yourself, you got like a couple of open shots off the bigs crashing. Uh, I think Tom had a couple of baskets early doors that kind of opened the game up for him a little bit. And I thought this would, you might agree, you might disagree. I thought this was Tom's best game of the season since joining Illunion. Yeah, uh, I agree. But I think you guys just kind of established yourselves and Landil aren't really a massive momentum team. They just kind of chip and chip and chip and it felt like you guys never really gave them the chance to get 
back into it once you landed the first punch? Is that how it felt during the game? Yeah, kind of. I, I think, yeah, we started, we didn't actually start that well, really. It felt like at the time, like you're saying, at the end of the first, yeah. it sort of was, but I think the, first, the score after the first, like, five minutes was 4-2 to them or something. Like, we didn't score for you know. So it took us a while to get going and put the ball in the hole. But um, I think we just, we sort of set the tempo early on was probably the best way I can put it. We sort of made them work a little bit harder to get their shots, you know, whereas it felt like we we could sort of pretty, kind of create whatever shot we wanted in the end or the shots that we, that we wanted, you know. So it wasn't like, I didn't feel like we were in control too much at the end of the first quarter, but it did feel like we had a good. It felt like we had a good foothold in the game, you know, and we had a, a chance to, to to go on if we could just keep it keep our level where we needed it to be. Sure. Yeah. yeah. How much? Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you go. Uh, how much of this being Tom's best game of the season so far, according to apparently all three of us, is the matchup specific thing of playing against a team that was so mobile like Landil? Because I wonder. Me me looking at this game beforehand, I I don't know if you told me that Tom didn't play a whole lot or wasn't great or whatever, I wouldn't have been able to see you guys pulling this one out. But I think obviously playing a game against a team that, well, they started two mobile threes and they have a load of different mobile units of all different varieties. I think like how much does the matchup lend itself to this being Tom's best game of the season? Um, yeah, I I'm really con- yeah, no, no, I haven't really considered that to be honest. Maybe, maybe I do feel like, to be fair, he's probably he would admit that he's been closer to himself since Christmas, um, as as we have probably as all of us have to be fair. Um, I don't know since the turn of year we seem to have pushed pushed things up a little bit of a gear. I would say that's what it feels like for, like internally anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, he was he was very good. You know, he, I think overall we like we did play well. We didn't really have any like sort of standout performer or like anyone who was really below par apart from like statistically, you know, like shooting wise, we definitely didn't convert as we, we want to. Um, and I'm sure they won't mind me mentioning, you know, the, the fact that we, I think Hasso ended up zero five. I think Bill was like four of 15 and Tom was five of 13 in a couple of, couple of shots that he'd probably yeah. back himself. Somebody's got the stats open in the background. I actually haven't. I was probably so wrong though. No, no you've nailed it. I have and you're bang, you're bang on on all three. He definitely looked at it loads. Everyone does that. It's funny when you win a game and you've scored a certain amount of points and you can just see someone checking their phone and change room afterwards and you're like, all right, there you go. But yeah, talking about the stats, Greg, none of you guys were in the minus, plus minus wise. Everyone that you ran was either even or won their minutes. All right. Which is quite impressive. Deep, but yeah, I think... uh... But the the sort of good thing and the positive for us is that it wasn't like... It didn't feel like it was... The shot, the lack of shot making was down to sort of them pushing us out of what we want to do or having to force up different looks. It felt like it was they were still makeable shots. Um, so nothing like too crazy that we need to worry about. I think to be fair, I think we like and it was an early game, like you said and stuff as well. So, but yeah, yeah, I think um, it's interesting you mentioned the mentioned the Hasso thing and. He obviously started, played 20 minutes, didn't really have it going offensively. But on the flip side, they started their lineup with Rio Fujimoto and he 
was really kind of in 20 minutes, he was one from nine and wasn't a massive factor in the game. So I wonder if that's like a size matchup where you kind of, you'll take it if, you know, Hasso's not having his best game, but his presence there kind of cancels Rio out. I think that's, you know, either team could claim that's potentially, you know, we'll take the draw and we'll ride with the rest of our group if they're having a good game. But you were able to shut down Rio to that extent. And I think Tom's defense was massive on Tommy Bomer as well. And it yeah. kind of forced them into go into their three big unit pretty early. Um, which when you look at the stats was actually propped up by Yannick to a massive degree, who I think Yannick had a great game. Um, and him and Tom are definitely just stood, yeah, I think... stood on by the trash talk, like both having their best game while they're chatting to each other the entire time. But yeah, I thought I thought it was really interesting the subs that got forced. It was it very much felt like you talked about setting the tempo there. It very much felt like you were forcing them to adjust rather than the other way around. Yeah, that was kind of and to be fair, we yeah, I hear what you're saying about the Hasso and Rio thing. They like Hasso makes it difficult difficult for any big to go up against, you know, like whatever whatever your sort of style is. Um and we had to we had to make a few changes as well. Like I got in foul trouble relatively early on, like in second quarter, I think I picked up my third. Um and a fourth early on, or yeah, early in the fourth, maybe I think I picked up my fourth again. So we were forced to rotate like a fair bit as well and probably not quite at the times you wanted but we rotated at the right times I feel like and every unit even units that haven't quite clicked so far sort of came in and did really well and like sort of lifted the bar even more so yeah it was it was good overall I think yeah you guys like everything seemed to be going there was a point that you were playing a point under like your first one of your first subs was Amadou for Bill in your starters and I was like I, I know going a point under isn't necessarily a terrible thing when you're kind of loaded with, obviously, you being a very mobile too that has core strength and Amadou being a giant and this, that and the other. But I was just like, he knows he's a point under, doesn't he? <laughs> like, he knows he's allowed to have another point on the floor. But then also, like, with the way you guys were beating them and sort of how you were getting where you were getting to, I wasn't, I was like, I don't really know what yeah. I would change here. I, and they play, they do play a similar sort of role. So, yeah, yeah I think it was- it worked, so I was. I don't know. That was a terrible decision. I don't mind going a point under. To be fair, sometimes if if it sort of fits into the flow of the unit, that's not. A, it's not the end of the world, you know. I don't think. No, exactly. Um, big Danny Sticks game as well. I've noticed there's been a couple of times this year, uh, most notably against us, um, <laughs> where you came out and just punched us in the mouth immediately, and you ran the same starters and just pressed us for however long it took for us to just get upset about it. But um, (laughs) there's been a couple of big games over the last couple of years where um, actually this matchup last year in Champions Cup semi-final was one that comes to mind where he's been really, really good at what he does. Obviously, he's maybe the most athletic 1-5 in the universe, Um, flies about the place. And there are some games that I think it's just like super purposeful and He's just everywhere defensively and he's getting people under the basket on offense. And I think this was, I don't know, you look at the stats and because he's a 1-5, it's 16 and a half minutes, a load of zeros, um, one foul plus six. But he's been he's been really important for you guys in like spot minutes. And obviously you've got three different looks with different ones on the floor and you don't need him all the time. But it's cool to see him coming in and just fucking flying about and wrecking the place. I just swore on the podcast. What a professional. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh no 
All, all while you were meandering to make a point that you're now going to ask Greg to to elaborate <laughs> now that you've stopped the flow. Yes, God damn it! I love how we're like Greg. Say something nice about this guy, and we haven't even been like Greg. You were great. <laughs> That's a gal. So <laughs> yeah, he's been he's he's been really good for us this year so far. He's found a unit that is like really good for him and that's it's proving to be quite a useful five you know we've sort of not without a one because he's a one five obviously but sort of really aggressive defensively and he can kind of just we can let him off the off the lead and he like away he goes like a little yeah. <laughs> pit bull I'll say not, I was going to say call him a chihuahua or something let him off the lead and he can like just go and cause mayhem and um, whether it's because like the work that he does got so underrated and under the radar you know um, but defensively, he's just such a beast, and he's just like he's just on it and bumping chairs all the time. It sort of it sort of takes you with him, if you know what I mean. Oh, like, man, yeah, sort of entices you into playing that way as well. And that was a big part of is a big part of that the way we want to play in that five. So yeah, that's given us a good look at the minute. Obviously, we're maybe not the I don't know. It's still still quite balanced as well in half court. We've still got some options, but primarily, I think the idea of that five is to either press or extend a really high line and just make it really difficult for everyone else and then sort of run and gun in transition so yeah that's that's a good option for us at the minute that one I think the um maybe the secret sauce to the sticks thing in this matchup is that we've I think we mentioned this in a previous pub but when Lando roll out their lineup that is Yannick and Simon at like the two guard positions they've got about the most physically imposing one and two pointer that you know any possibly hope for and I think sticks along with you as a two you guys kind of go some way towards matching that level of like physicality and mobility and I think that then allows your guys you know bigs or your more mobile guys to go you know match up truly rather than being like covering for the ones all the time yeah for sure yeah and you guys we have to mention Sarah Revel to which you talked about making the um the right subs at the right time it felt like every unit you guys rolled out kind of played to its purpose, as you mentioned, but I think one of the most back-breaking shots of the game was I think Hasso caught the ball in the post and gave Sarah a dump-off bounce pass and she finished with a scoop. And that kind of thing is like, it's obviously like a little bit of a stereotype, like let the female low point shoot because, you know, a lot of teams will do that if they feel like they can get away with it, but that, basket felt like it counted for so much more than two points the time in the game it came out and you know oh we'll leave this because you know this is we'll take the the probability of her making this whatever we'll live with it and then that shot goes down and that really felt like it swung the game because that was coming right after a little landil like mini run yeah yeah that was i think it was bill who fed it into it we were offhand as well that was some finish man and like you said it's Sometimes the the biggest killer is like the timing of the shots, and yeah. if you, if you sort of give up the option that you finally want to give up and contested, and then the other team still makes it, it can like deflate you a little bit. So, um, it, like you say, I think most of the units that came in sort of seem seem to have that knack on the day. So, yeah, yeah, and we've got this far in. We've not even talked about the guy who's become Illunion's resident super sub. Um, me and James have mentioned it in like a past couple of the weekend podcasts and whatever, but you guys are now kind of doing this Terry off the bench thing seemingly in every game. Uh, he's had a couple of games where he kind of carried you over the line against Vidalid. He was really big for you. Uh, you guys have kind of committed to this, at least in the last handful. And, you know, you've 
got Terry come in, played 23 minutes, 13 points, and he's obviously out there when it matters most. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys kind of go out and, like you say, you play your aggressive style with yourself and Tom and Danny out there, and then when it's time for like a cool head, you're able to roll Terry off the bench, and that's kind of a luxury that not even a team as stacked as, as Landil can match. So what does that do for like your mindset in the game, knowing that Terry's there as like a, a break glass in case of emergency option, I suppose. Yeah. To be fair, I think if you look at the like if you look at the stats, I think our minute split was quite shared actually. I think most of our like bigger games it has been it has been quite split. I don't think Victor is super like into one player or two players playing 40 minutes or sticking with one unit so much obviously unless things are working but yeah it's obviously a luxury to have him coming off the bench or starting whatever many minutes he plays he's like a he's a luxury to have him whatever whatever sense you know um and I I don't think it's like super unfamiliar for him I think there was a, a couple of years where they were absolutely stacked here at Alunian and he was coming off the bench then as well I can't remember don't ask me what year it was but they would start with like all the, the giants of like Rodney, Bill, Ali, or maybe Ali was on the bench as well. And then they came in with them too. It's just such a killer in it when you yeah, see it. I think that the couple of years you're talking about is maybe when Elunion won Champs Cup the last couple of times. And there was definitely a stretch of that where they didn't even bother to play Terry in the first half of games. And it's like, that's just psychological warfare at that point. Like you're you're basically doing that just to show off. Like, yeah, he's there if we need him. <laughs> we'll roll him in to win us the game if we have to. Yeah, yeah. something like that. I think it might have been 2016 or around that time when they won. I think they won everything that year. Yeah, 16, um, 16. I think it was. They were like Rodney, Bill, the Twins, and Sarah. It's like, okay, hey, go inside. I dare you. <laughs> Ridiculous, completely insane. Oh man. Right. Um, yeah, I think we've obviously touched on a lot of the like themes of the game, whatever. So. We'll talk about what's coming up next for you guys, Greg, in terms of finishing top means you guys have qualified uh, to go to the semifinals of Champs Cup. You guys have landed in Thuringen's group. Unlucky. With Bilbao and Postasaurus. So when I say you- unlucky, I mean unlucky that you have to go to Erfurt. <laughs> I, thought you meant, I thought you meant unlucky for you guys. Um, yeah. But um, I love how you thought I was trash talking, and I was just saying East Germany isn't really a, like a, a holiday destination. That's all I'm thinking about. I was so upset. I thought, I thought we were going to be able to just drive to Albacete. Yeah, I thought you were coming with a beef. I thought we were going to have to do a Greg versus James poll then. No, uh, no, we'll do um, that. We'll do. I that don't one. play in Europe. It's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, you've obviously you guys have taken down one kind of titan of the German league. You're gonna have a showdown with another one in a matter of weeks it's obviously a pretty different stylistic question um between Landil and Thuring and so sounds like your coach is pretty on it and he's you know gonna get out ahead of it but what do you guys foresee in terms of your matchup against Thuring and who you know the other likely final four candidate if we're being honest but does it, do you think it suits your guys' style of play in the individual matchup more or less than bumping up against Lando? Um, I guess we'll find out. I think they like you you are right, they're definitely very different stylistically and it's two very different like ideas and different matchups, you know. So um it's difficult to say now because 
the things that I thought that we would match up well against Landale, like potentially didn't all all come true. I'd sort of thought it initially, and then the things that I thought we might struggle at, this is the same. You know, it was it's never always as you imagine it, is it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's a worse or better matchup. Really, they're, they're both like phenomenal teams. You know, obviously Landale have got the noses in front in the league, winning the first game. Um, and we've got a lot more bigs to contend with against Landale. I would probably say uh, the way they play seems to be bigger. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a bit of a rubbish answer, really, because I'm not really sure which is which is the better matchup. I'm not actually, I'm not actually sure, but we'll we'll do plan you, the right way. And yeah, do you think part of it is because maybe in contrast to previous years in Alunion, you guys actually have the versatility that you can deal with either matchup? Yeah. Yeah, potentially. I think the last two years we definitely would have said that this current line deal and this guy's is a better matchup for us because we were lacking we were lacking bigs before. Now I think we can pretty much go with at least three or four bigs in most of our lineups, you know, or if not, we go with the, the slightly smaller with me, Tom and Danny, and then that gives you something else, you know. Yeah. So I don't think we're super I don't think we super outmatch them anywhere and I don't think they really outmatch us anyway, you know. So I think it's gonna be a really good game. I think if anything, we're probably slightly similar to them. So maybe it would make for more of an interesting game. Um, so, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. They're like great team, and we've had they've had been some big games the last few years, and going up against other like another scorer like Jordi and um, Alex and stuff, and Vahid inside. It's going to be a really good game, and a good test for us, you know, because that's still at the end of the day, still what we're doing. We still we've still got a long way to go, and. The win doesn't really mean anything. Just it was qualify yes or yes. You know, it wasn't really even the Landell game. Like I said before, it wasn't super important that we won. Um, it was more just about the qualification, and then winning was obviously was obviously good. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Do you think um, playing Thurgan in this next round? So hopefully, all going well for you guys getting to the final four, having seen the other three teams that people assume you're going to play against. Is that useful? Like, or does it? Do you really care if you don't see Thuringen until, say, you see them in the Champions Cup final again, for example? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I hadn't really thought about that. That Obviously, we have no idea if that is going to be the final four, but I think if I was a betting man, I would put put the same final four as last year. Um, but even with that, we've still got to get past you boys, you know? So that's that's a tough task in itself. I know we've we've beat you twice this year, but literally yeah. anything, one-off game, you know? So that's... Be ready for that, and but yeah, I, I suppose it will benefit us having seen everyone. You know, um, be, obviously we've sort of feel like we've got the formula since we since we won against Landale, um, and then whether we win or lose against Turingen, I think we'll be better off for it, and will give us a better chance going into the next game. So I'm sure that's how Landale feel as well against us. You know, you know, it's yeah. like they'll they'll learn, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's not too far away as well, so looking forward to it. And you, you've kind of mentioned in your answers to a couple of the questions we've fired at you, which I should say you're doing a great job of answering, given that we're making these up as we sit here. But um, yeah, I think you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, you guys in yourselves feel like you've got a way to go. Do you think you still have like elements of yourself to discover as a team? Or do you think it's just a case of like fine tuning what you're good at and becoming you know, a little bit more ruthless with it, I guess, because, like you say, it was a low-scoring game against Landil. Do you feel like it's a case of, you know, just getting cleaner in your execution, or do you think you need to discover more looks and more options? 
Yeah, I suppose it is more just about refinement at this point of the season. It's not, I don't know, we're always like aiming and searching to take as big a jump as possible in terms of improving and getting to where we see our ceiling, you know. Um, but I think it's probably unlikely that too many teams are going to like improve massively from now on to Champions Cup Final Four or whatever it is. Um I mean, personally, I still think we have a lot, we've still got a long way to go in terms of improving and in terms of where we want to be. You know, we've basically, in the last two years, as clubs won so much, like we, in the last two years since I've arrived, we've won nothing. So, <laughs> kind of just looking forward to trying to win something and prove that I'm not the problem, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure that's what everyone was thinking. It's all gone downhill since they brought Greg in. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Um... It's obviously super interesting because it's like, like you say, all signs would point to the same final four as the last you know year or so. But I think we're legitimately at a point where any of the final four teams, if that does happen to be the case, I think anybody can beat anybody. Um, like I certainly don't think I would have called you guys to beat Landil in the semi-final last year, but you did, and then this win seemed pretty convincing. And yeah, I think. Obviously, Albacete and Thuringen having not seen each other because neither of them playing in a qualifying round is like maybe a little bit of a, you know, there's some unknown there, although I think they're maybe the closest individual matchup. But yeah, I think you guys, you certainly appear to have all the tools and you should have come away, as you said, feeling better after this weekend than you did beforehand. But there's obviously a long way to go in the season and all that stuff. So do you guys, do you think... A huge amount week to week about you know how do you balance your focus on like the game each coming weekend versus like the big picture I guess are you always moving with an eye on what your next big challenge is yeah kind of with both in mind I think everything we do week by week sort of builds into that bigger picture um but as cliche as it sounds we have, we do, we have to just take it week by week I think the like you said about the final four I think Amiab I think Albacete are still firm favourites um in most people's eyes or should be my opinion um and yeah we're quite happy with that we're quite happy to come in as the other dogs rightfully so at the minute they're losing to them twice um but i do agree that i think any of the any of if it does happen to be them for um has the potential to to beat anyone on their day but like i said we've still got a long long way to go before that a big game against bilbao where you know we've got there's some history and to go to a final four of a Champions Cup is a big game, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, long and a lot to think about before we, we even get our minds near the final four. But, yeah, obviously that's our end goal. You in this taking it week to week stuff, you're far you're a far better man than I am. I went to training yesterday and I had the most like, oh, a week ago it was the Wednesday before Champions Cup and today's just Wednesday. Like, <laughs> we we have a game this weekend, obviously, but it's like, I don't know, I find getting back to training and it not being, especially because we were hosting, like, yeah. it felt really special. Like, going towards a non-Champions Cup week just felt boring to me, which is maybe just because I'm exhausted, but, like, oh, yeah, no, God. It has been back down to earth and reality in it, but I'm not going to lie, it's it's quite nice to not have to play four games this weekend. That's oh, fun, is it? <laughs> yeah, because this is my first, like, I don't, I haven't done the sort of, champions cup qualifiers thing previously because i've just i've only been playing abroad since covid basically so i just this is the first time i've been like oh my god are you meant to feel like this in february like (laughs) i don't know i don't know how people do it 
like mental. No, that, that is a fair point because it's been obviously the qualifying rounds have been Euro Cup was like cancelled altogether in 2020, wasn't it? And then it's just been the I think 2021 it was just the finals, and then after that it was the finals for each level. But this is like the first full scale tournament, so yeah, I think there's probably a lot of players with like a little bit of shock to the system at this point, but. Greg, you're obviously a Euro Cup veteran from your days with, as James mentioned, Oldham, who are now Manchester Revolution. And I I don't know how much of the game you'll have had a chance to see, but what's it been like for you watching them get back to, you know, Champions Cup level and, and battle it out again? Because that group that they were in was borderline <laughs> unfair to shove the only amateur team in the competition into the group of death there. But did you get much of a chance to watch them and, and what were your thoughts? Yeah, I watched as much as possible. Um, was rooting for them, obviously. Being the only amateur team, it's it's tough, you know. But they they held their own. I think they should be pr- they can be proud of themselves. Um, I am would have would have liked to have been there to help them, you know. We've got some, <laughs> yeah, we've got some like strange fans from in, in our team that want Manchester to do well every time they play. So that's that's <laughs> quite. <laughs> um, but and like you said, that was such a tough group. The other four teams were so. Like so closely matched on such an even deal, it was tough, and they came so close, you know, and in a few games to to nicking a win and going through to a final. So yeah, I was good. I was gutted for them, but it was it was good that they. It it was tough. My my favorite part of that whole weekend was we mentioned this on the episode we just put out on Monday, but uh, on Tuesday, sorry, but when they were down big to Le Canet and their solution was to sub in Richard Pullen in the second quarter. And it's like, dude, he's nearly 60, man. Look at what this team does to people. <laughs> no no disrespect to Richard Pullen here, but I don't know what you expected to do against this unit. It was just, it felt like, well, we've tried everything else. But um, yeah, I thought they, we obviously said the other day, but I think they like put up a great fight. And it's a real shame that they, I think Gillian overcaught them in the early game on day one, I think had that landed at another point, they probably would have stolen that one and they would have qualified, but that's yeah, kind of the nature of Euro Cup, right? Yeah. Also, they probably nick EuroLeague 2, if not EuroLeague 1, if they're in either of the other groups. Like, I think they'd have nicked EuroLeague 2 in your group and EuroLeague 1 in the other group, which is just yeah. so, so unlucky. Yeah, like I said before, Mo, Mo and Mugs as well, you know, they've got some, they, they were decent as well, so they pushed they sort of made it horrible for all the other the, the other three that finished top three. Um, so I don't think that would have been a given, but yeah, they would have definitely had more of a chance in any of the other groups. So, <laughs> but, they're, yeah. they're going to have to sign you back up, man. You're going to have to carry them through one of these. Yeah, the problem is when I go back there, I'll be about 40. So I'll be <laughs> no use to anyone. Well, you're 20 <laughs> years younger than Richard Pullen, wasn't gonna he? Say, played about 15 minutes a game. If they're, if they're rolling Richard Pullen out, they're not going to turn you down when you're 40. I can promise you that. Richard will still be playing at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was obviously it's really cool to watch. And there's like a real shortage of, um, there's obviously a ton of like GB affiliated or, you know, British players who are bouncing about the various yearly teams. But I think it's, we're down to like two two British squads that are going out to EuroLeague. And I think it's a real shame. So it's good to see Manchester still kind of pushing forward and and making it happen, saving all the local talent over here from like falling off the map completely, which seems like it might be the case in a handful of years' time, but hopefully that doesn't happen. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, they give a good account of themselves overall. And yeah, our our, uh, our qualifiers was like an Australian training camp. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one of Mark's theories of Tom playing so well. Was it just like being around all the Aussies and all the trash talk? Like yeah. mullets everywhere. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, what, have you asked Tom about this? I feel I've wondered about this to my <laughs> on several occasions, and we actually had a message come in when we thought we were going to get Tom as our guest. And someone was like, you need to ask him what's going on with the haircut because the glare off his head was affecting the stream. But um, yeah, what is going on with the Aussie mullet things? Because it, there's too many of them now for it to be a coincidence. Yeah, you'll have to ask them. Well, Hassel's sporting one as well, though, isn't he? Because he's been oh, on, Honorary Aussie, yeah. yeah. Do they cut each other's hair? No, I don't think so, no. No, I think it would worse if they did. But yeah, you won't find... You're not going to find me sporting one of them in the near future, I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's definitely not going to become like it could be like a bench units gimmick where me and James both grow the mullets out, and that can just be the thing. But I feel like that would be a, a long way to go towards making Tom feel at home whenever he next decides to join us. Uh, I, I can't, I can't do the mullet because every time I do a stupid haircut, I'll have to shave it off, and every time I shave my head, I get a little bit closer to it not growing back, and I just. I want to hold on to it, man. I'm just scared. I don't want it to leave me. Well, I'm sure when Tom says no last minute, you'll ask me as your second favourite choice again anyway. So, All right, Greg, do you want to do a mullet with me? <laughs> That's very true. Um, cool. We'll let you out of here at this point, Greg, because I think we've we've covered everything. But again, man, thank you so much for filling in the gaps left by your various teammates. Um, we really appreciate you coming in and taking the time to, to chat through all this stuff with us, man. And obviously... you. You were our second choice. We've made no no secret of that, but um, very glad to have you. Well, I might not be much good, but at least I turn up. So I'll be having I'll be having words with Tom. So because yeah, I was quite quite looking forward to listening to his take on it as well. So I'm not, well, I can't we, do anything from listening to myself. So between between all of us, we did um, when we'd messaged Tom and then we'd message you as like you know, hedging our bets. We were like, would it be good to get both of them on? And I was like, we that probably would be a great move. But also if we, Tom was like, I don't know if I'll be able to make it. So it felt like we would have been taking the piss a bit if we'd have got him in and then you were also there. He would have been <laughs> like, why would why have you bothered me for this if Greg's got it coming around? So we'll get you guys in as a joint enterprise at some point. And maybe Hasso as well, if his English is up to it. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to be on standby anyway. Cool. Everyone's, but yeah. Great. We're taking that to be the case every time we need a guest now. We're going to bail you up every couple of weeks and be like, be on standby. <laughs> Greg, you're the man. Thank you so much for being here. And thanks everyone else for listening. Um, we'll be back hopefully on schedule next time with our usual stuff. And yeah, talk to you then. Peace out.